Welcome to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast for women who want to experience intimate relationships and sex that are pleasurable and passionate, happy, thriving and deeply fulfilling. With my very special guest experts guiding lights and pioneers in their specialist areas, we'll be breaking down the myths, exploring the difficult stuff, the good stuff and seeing what's possible for love, sex and intimacy at this time of rapid change. In these candid and intimate conversations, I'll be bringing you the best of sex and relationship education, full of practical ways to support and inspire change in your intimate life. I'm your host, Sarah Rosebright. Whether you're curious about what's possible or you're already committed to exploring, I'm so happy you are here. Welcome to this episode with Ruby May. Ruby supports women to live in relationship with their menstrual cycles and really anchor themselves in their inner wisdom. And she's founder of the international community Know Your Flow. Ruby shares about the power of living connected to your menstrual cycle and how to become more aware of your cycle through cycle tracking. She talks about the four phases of the cycle and how you can embrace these why cyclical living is a radical choice and how it helps you to step out of the hamster wheel and make different decisions and choices. We talked about how the menstrual cycle affects your libido and how you feel as a sexual being. And I love what Ruby shares around this. Uh, We had a conversation around self-love and Ruby talks about how your menstrual cycle helps you to um, really be a good self-leader and to be in good relationship with yourself. So I really love her and appreciate her take on that. And she also shares what she learned from a year of celibacy, some of her personal journey, and what she learned about power from her time as a professional dominatrix. So there's so much wonderful stuff in here. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Welcome to this episode. And I'm delighted to be joined today by the lovely, wonderful Ruby May. welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, a total pleasure. Thank you for saying yes. So I'd love you to start by introducing yourself and tell uh, my listeners about who you are and what it is that you do in the world. Yeah, so um, my background, and that's how we know each other, Sarah, from a while ago, is um, that I worked in the field of what you could call conscious sexuality. That was like over 10 years ago when everyone who worked in that field kind of knew each other. Do you remember? <laughs> we were like a gang. I saw that on a post you did the other day and I was chuckling when you when I read that. Yeah, absolutely. It did feel that way, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um yeah, so that I had various chapters I did a lot of workshops and I was really fascinated in in the workshop as a modality as a way of not just learning but having healing experiences in a group um, how people are kind of magnetically drawn to each other for a reason and um, that can be confronting uh, and it can be, yeah, med- we can be medicine for one another. Um, so I did lots of workshops and travelled the world and had, you know, just following the breadcrumb trail of like what felt inspiring and engaging and my healing edge and and had a chapter in that where I became really fascinated in like what happens between, in a, in a heterodynamic between a man and a woman, when a woman is leading an erotic encounter Um, and I also worked for a while as a dominatrix so I was in that position a lot and uh, I became fascinated in whether if you yeah have a female body um, if there's a, a sense that yeah your your leadership might be slightly different potentially is there such a thing as feminine leadership and it felt like a really edgy question to ask because you know it feels like a lot of the world is saying no let's not look at our differences we have so much more in common than than differences and it's destructive to look at our differences it's old-fashioned to look at our differences and you know I also 
had a, a beautiful project with my colleague Kai Earhart called um, Authentic Eros Beyond Gender, where we, you know, create these amazing groups of people from different who expressed their genders in different ways and had different sexual orientations. Like what happens when we all get together in a room and, and look at being authentic together? Um, but anyway, this question fascinated me, like, is there such a thing as feminine leadership? And how do I feel comfortable in my own skin? I'm going into quite a detailed story now, but never mind. <laughs> this, this is my long introduction to who I am and yeah. Uh, so uh, I became fascinated in the possibility to study the female body as a way to glean wisdom around feminine leadership. And I studied the womb specifically. Um, I was really inspired by uh, an establishment, an institution called the Red School in the UK. And that opened up this whole world of cycle awareness. So um, if I become curious and sensitize myself enough, um, how does my menstrual cycle impact me on a day-to-day -day basis? And why is that revolutionary actually? So that's been my path over the last years um, is looking at cycle awareness. And I have the privilege and joy of having a whole community around me that's emerged of, of women and people with wombs, because it's not just, um, yeah, women who are interested uh, around this phenomena of cyclical living. Mm, wow, thank you for sharing. And so there's so much there. So I'd love to just jump back a bit before we dive into the cyclical living mm -hmm. and menstrual stuff. Uh, I'm around this question of female leadership. So mm -hmm. what did you, um, as you inquired about this question, what did you learn? What did you notice and you talked about I remember you did a post a while back about sort of what you learned about female power from being a, a dom mm -hmm. I'd love you to speak to some of this yeah what did I learn well I I part of my learning was really confronting myself with what it's not mm -hmm. and so I noticed that if I tried to big myself up in any way um, or put on an act or uh, behave a certain way that I thought was expected of me or that's what strength looks like, that's what leadership looks like, that I felt really uncomfortable in my own skin and I didn't feel strong, I didn't feel in flow. Um, and so there's, there's a piece around relaxing into who we are and what flavor of ourselves is coming through that day um, that I would describe as a more feminine approach to, to leadership. And when we use the cycle as a kind of map or a, a compass, and we notice that there are certain phases of the cycle where our energy is quite expressive and outward. Um, but that's not the whole picture because there's also other parts of the cycle, in fact, you know, taking up just as much space, probably, where our energy is more yin. Um, and that form of leadership doesn't look so. Um, yeah, expressive or um, out there, or it's more the kind of um, relational meeting people where they are holding, um, listening. Um, yeah, all these yin qualities um, that I feel like are, yeah, undervalued, but they make up good leadership. Um, yeah. yeah, and they help people feel safe. Mm. And so you, you talk about the different sort of phases of the cycle. Do you have um, names for the phases of the cycle that you work with? Well, having 
you know, I am from the lineage of the Red School, and a, a lot of people don't know this, but the calling the phases of the cycle after the seasons, so you have your inner winter, spring, summer, autumn, is actually, you know, so it's really widely adopted now, but that, that was, um, that's language from the Red School. So I talk about that, and then I talk about the two currents of the yin and the yang. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear about that, with the yin and the yang currents. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, if you have a menstrual cycle that is cycling, you know, most people are probably aware that, yeah, ovulation feels quite different from menstruation, um, not just physiologically, you know, you're bleeding in one, um, but that energy-wise, uh, for most people, there's a sense of, like, uh, more energy available around ovulation or your inner summer and less energy that's available when you're bleeding. So you, one way to look at the cycle, the sort of energetics of it, if you like, is that the, it's like um, two currents of energy that um, between two poles, the pole of menstruation, where your energy is at the lowest, ovulation, where your energy is at the highest. Mm. So when we move from menstruation to ovulation, it's like we're riding a wave of energy, um, creative energy. And wouldn't it be nice if it was just always like that in this world at least, but that's not the case because after ovulation and many people experience like a dip at some point, um, but it's like we change currents and we, rather than riding this wave of energy that has this quality of being kind of expansive and moving us up and out into the world. It's the opposite, it's the down and in. So um, if we get curious and really sensitize ourselves to like really pay attention to what's happening in our bodies, probably we will discover that the more we move towards menstruation, we start contracting and contraction has this like association with like being something negative, right? But it's like part of the pulse of life. We expand, we contract, we expand, we contract. And contraction is when our energy is brought down and in. So rather than the outside world being so like fascinating, it's like the inside world becomes fascinating or that's the invitation of, of life. And so, um, I mean, I can go into more depth here but that would be just the sort of general um map so yeah no I, I love that and, and you know that's the place we're not so comfortable and familiar with in our life is it that going inwards time and mm -hmm. you know the standard um you know look at the adverts on the telly not that I watch the telly anymore but you know take the pills do this get on with life mm -hmm. there's no valuing of, of 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 that time so yeah I'd love you to speak more about that time it's my like uh, favorite phase of the cycle to talk about because <laughs> I mean it, I think it's it's uh, tragic and uh, awful that it's so misunderstood this premenstrual phase you know we've pathologized it and that you know for many it is such an uncomfortable symptomatic time um, the land of PMS and um, feeling overwhelmed feeling uh, angry, feeling frustrated, uh, losing our temper, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know, famous for that. And so my question and my thesis <laughs> is that if we're ignoring the cyclicality of our bodies and we're pretending that we are like men who have, who don't have a monthly cycle, um, then our body's gonna rebel and react. And that's, you know, it's different for everyone, like where you struggle in your cycle, but for a lot of people, that's where um, our denying of our own cyclicality, that's where it starts to like get ugly and, and our bodies really start reacting. So what, what is really happening in that phase with that energy contracting and us, slowing down actually and needing kind of less input from the outside world is like we develop certain skills really during that time um, and those skills are for example a heightened sensitivity um, those skills are for example the ability to 
read subtler cues and read between the lines, the ability to discern like what is in integrity in my life and what isn't in integrity like our bullshit detectors are like amplified during that time and if we don't know that and if we you know it's also the time where any unintegrated emotions or you know things that aren't okay in our lives that that we've been too busy to think about in the throes of ovulation and when you know the outside world is so interesting and we've got all this energy but if we if we don't have the tools if we don't have this knowledge of the intelligence of the cycle and we don't have the tools and like how to really feel our emotions or how do we interact with our inner critic and that voice that judges everything then it, it can be a mind trap but if we do have that map and if we do develop some tools then it's an incredible, it's an incredibly sophisticated um, mechanism at play, which makes sure and gives us a chance every month to, to be a fully integrated human and to address things that need addressing and to feel things that need feeling. Um, you know, wow, you know, our psyche, like, is churning up stuff for us every month that we can process. Yay! Well, it's not, <laughs> it's not fun, but I mean, it's quite a remarkable thing to, I think, be excited and proud of uh, and, and draw attention to. Um, so, yeah. Mm. And so for somebody listening, how can they start to sort of work more consciously with their cycles and that's sort of part one of the question mm -hmm. and then part two are there specific things that you'd advise I don't know you do a whole course on this which I'll, I'll ask you to talk about later but are there specific um things to do for example at that yin time what would you be suggesting to people mm. yeah yeah um so the foundational practice for getting in touch with your cycle is called cycle tracking and it's basically writing down a word or a few words every day you get special charts there's a free one on my website if anyone's interested um so you write down a few words every day how you feel and of course at the beginning you're like how do I know what I'm feeling isn't just you know me responding to my circumstances my environment and at the beginning it might be really difficult to discern but it really is like when we commit to the process and say okay I'm just going to try it out for like three months so I can look back and you know I've got three cycles then probably more or less and I can see if there's any patterns or anything. And, you know, you do start to notice what is your cycle and what isn't. Um, and so, you know, after doing that for a while, like every day I can tell how I feel slightly different based on my cycle, unless something monstrously big is going on in my life. And then of course, you know, most of the time it's subtle. Um, but it is exquisite, like being able to have that level of self-awareness because your ability to take care of yourself is so much more heightened and your ability to like make that work for you is, is heightened as well. So it's not like by doing this, we then try and manage our lives so that, you know, I will, you know, because we, different phases do lend themselves to different doing different things um like you could say doing an interview like this um would be most suited to uh in a summer because you know there's plenty of research to show that our communication skills are heightened and we're more kind of magnetic um during that phase um and if i was doing my uh, a tax return I would choose a different day or if I was brainstorming and tapping into the future for a new project I would do a different yeah when would I have a difficult conversation you know there's different things that are suited to different times but it's not about trying to control our lives so that you know everything fits in neatly it's just about 
you know, doing that as much as is feasible, but also having the self-awareness to work with what is, to relate to uh, what is and, uh, yeah, bring in that, that self-understanding and, and um, yeah, I feel like I've gone off on a tangent now. But your question, <laughs> what was the second part of your question? So what might be a, um, some tips and some wisdom of the different phases of the uh, cycle? Yeah. yeah, how people can practically work with it. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it, it's worthwhile learning about an, what's, what's called an archetypal cycle. So learning about the different phases and what's going on physiologically and energetically, the, what are the different skills and quality so I could just say very briefly mm. um in your inner winter so when you're bleeding um it's when our bodies are uh, you know really designed to reset and recalibrate so it, it, you know you could talk about resting there but it's also an interesting time to go within and seek guidance on questions that you might have for your life and then um our inner spring can be a beautiful time to remind ourselves of our capacity for play and enjoyment of, of life and feeling into the possibilities of the future. And uh, summer is the time where we have potentially lots of energy to take care of the world around us and our projects and give birth to our creativity. And then autumn is this more sort of like um, process of discerning and and uh, harvesting um, so perhaps looking at like what are the lessons that I'm learning that I want to take with me into the next cycle like what's working what's not working in my life and um, yeah like acknowledging celebrating harvesting mm. so a disclaimer I've just you know said all of that but what really is the most important thing is your body's invitation to you to get to know it and listen to how it is for you mm -hmm. like I have a friend who you know she has really low energy right before her bleed and then as soon as she starts bleeding she's like great okay I'm back <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's a bit awkward. Maps can be really useful, can't they? And they can also get in the way. And it feels like we've had so much, you know, needing to deal with people telling us how we're feeling or should be feeling and should be experiencing. And it's like, oh, here's another <laughs> telling me what experience I should have. So really what it's about is being attuned to your own body and realizing that there's whole other levels of intimacy and the possibility to have this beautiful inner guidance that comes from within that supports you live a good living a good life mm, yeah beautiful I love what you just said about that sort of like it's an exquisite inbuilt system Mm. that's available to us because I've been like my bleeds all over the place and I've had two and as soon as I started in perimenopause having different schedules of bleeding it was so disorientating it was mm. like I want my cycle back <laughs> and like really missing that just flow of inward outward time and having to recreate that for myself in a whole different way yeah and um, I love what you said. I think it's on the on the beginning of your website, something like welcome to the revolution mm -hmm. led by the wisdom of our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so that feels like that's at the basis of it. What you're sharing is the, mm. just the deep listening into your own body and your own cycle and attuning to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a radical thing in our yeah. world. Now. <laughs> we're, we're sort of taught to listen to outside authority and it's like connecting to your own inner authority and realizing that you know we're walking around as though our heads are intelligence and the rest of us is just like a meat suit and you know there is this profound intelligence in our bodies and ideally it's not one that's better than the other it's like living in harmony isn't it with 
input from the mind but not ruled by the yeah. mind yeah absolutely and you talk about um i use the, the phrase and i've touched on this sort of self-leadership and mm-hmm. the cycle and self-leadership so i'd love you to speak to uh, more specifically what you mean by that and why is it important yeah um so yeah i it just seems like it's part of the human experience to first and foremost be learn how to be in a good relationship with ourselves um and so that the word self-leadership is one way I think one could uh, describe that. And um, when we are in good relationship with ourselves, which to me means we are able to bring our awareness inside and kind of meet whatever we're feeling and thinking and sensing and kind of give space to that rather than just like distract ourselves and you know look for look to other people to always comfort us and all other things like food and um naughty things that take us away from ourselves but yeah this being in touch with ourselves and what we're thinking and feeling and needing and desiring and not desiring um our you know there's many different pathways to that uh but the cycle awareness is a nice way to bring ourselves in touch with ourselves mm. and then through yeah becoming sensitive to that internal yeah cosmos within and the spectrum of different things we might be experiencing we can uh, respond Uh, so what is it I actually need Um, what is it I'm desiring what's what's bothering me what's not okay for me Um, I think, yeah, like learning to connect with these impulses and respond to them uh, is a, yeah, a learning that we're all on on some level ongoing. Uh, And um, for me, the menstrual cycle has just been a really powerful gateway to like, just being a good human really (laughs) being able to take care of myself um and you know just the amazing examples I see around me um of women who kind of are just being more honest with themselves and then making courageous decisions um uh, yeah Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. And so when women are working consciously with their cycle, you talked about women being more honest with themselves, making courageous decisions. What other things do you see are the gifts? Uh, You talked about self-leadership, being able to better take care of yourself. Are there any other things that you see that come out of this process? Mm. Um. Well, I think that I mean we 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 live at a different pace. We kind of step out of the rat race and start honoring our own rhythms and make difficult decisions maybe around how we're filling our time based on based on that um yeah make decisions around what our inner compass is telling us feels life-affirming and what isn't I mean that's no small thing like (laughs) making decisions or you know things that don't serve us anymore in terms of like jobs and partnerships and countries we live in and (laughs) and things like that 
Um, I think also it changes our capacity to be creative because the menstrual cycle is like a creative cycle. And so by learning about your menstrual cycle, you're learning about how creativity works. And um, yeah, I think living cyclically, you do just start getting more creative and that, you know, we kind of compartmentalize creativity as being like, and you know, that's like art lessons or, <laughs> you know, the word creativity, I don't know how it is for you, but I, I come from a, you know, my sort of background and culture would put the word creativity in a box with kind of art lessons and either you are creative or you're not. Um, and, you know, there's something inherent to being human that we are we are inherently creative beings and when we tap into our creativity and the ability to like yeah have ideas and impulses as to like what we want to yeah what, what do we want to influence what do we want to yeah what do we want to create what do we want to birth what do we want to bring into the world um I think tapping into our menstrual cycle, that's just, it just, we get more creative. Yeah, I 100% can see that. I can remember just my creativity. I remember being humiliated in school and I drew this picture of Tina Turner and everybody passed it around the classroom, just like laughing at it. <laughs> and just remember that was my artist just oh. shut down, mm. you know, and it's like, and then when we connect with our wombs and our womb spaces, we, we just realise we're creative beings 20 24 seven and the power yeah. of that to yeah. birth whatever it is we want to birth is just yeah. yeah a whole different way of being with it I wonder as well if um because when you are in touch with your menstrual cycle it means also that you're in touch with the fact that you're bleeding out of your vagina every month <laughs> and uh you know most of us weren't exactly upheld and celebrated and you know honored when we started ha having that and there's a lot of uh yeah just uh, most people probably collected some bad experiences of feeling ashamed and kind of grossed out by their blood and so when we start transforming that and connecting with our blood I wonder uh not I wonder I know that <laughs> <laughs> that has an impact on our psyche because if like bleeding is somehow a, a central aspect of having this female body in it in a certain number of years in your lifespan uh if bleeding is somehow central to that and it's disgusting how can that not impact your psyche in a profound way that you feel on some level unconsciously not necessarily consciously but that something is wrong with you or something is kind of gross and so you know also we we have a heritage don't we of of the feminine being suppressed and it's not that long ago really that we were even able to like have like regular jobs and a bank account and you know we kind of forget I, I mean especially younger generations I imagine like literally how bad it was not that long ago yeah. and that's stored somewhere inside us still is the, the sense of being lesser than and so that there's something around honoring our blood and honoring our cyclical bodies that are different that are different that restores it a dignity and and I think just enables us to perhaps yeah live more beautiful lives because we feel like we deserve it because we make choices that um draw us towards what we feel like we deserve I think there's something I think there's something in that too Mm. oh gosh I feel it and and you know that saying how you are and everything is how you are in anything mm. you know and if you feel that disgust for your body for your bleeding and that that shame and that's you know passed down generationally and the, you know um 
the stories I've heard over the years of of people not even able to talk to their parents that they've bled and then just been doing secret things and yeah. hiding pads in drawers that you know and all sorts of just all sorts of things um and I, you know we all have a story around that don't we mm. and you know for me I know my journey was to love my bleed and and to celebrate it because I didn't have that imprint in any way shape or form mm. and I can totally totally know it changed me mm. um, on, on so much and I see that with the women that I speak to clients and I'm sure you just see that all the time in your work mm. so it's 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 work that's just such at the core of who we are isn't it so yeah mm. yes and that's why what you're doing just is just you know because so many women don't aren't fully aware of this still mm. you know and and um sometimes I'm working with clients and I talk I always ask them what's their relationship like with their menstrual cycle when we first start working mm -hmm. together and then I'll point them to the red school and different things and mm -hmm. your work and 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 you know sometimes they're just like oh there could be another way it, right. it's yeah. just like it's just not on on their radar so that's why it's so important yeah and, and you know someone said to me the other day she's like oh gosh cycle awareness you know, as a woman, it's exhausting. You've just got so many things you have to worry about. You have to shave your legs and you have to get rid of hair there. And then you have to do this and then you have to look this way and then you have to do cycle awareness. It's like, no, like, that's, that's like, you know, if, if you, if you understand how, yeah, I mean, cycle awareness, once you get into it, it becomes kind of effortless and makes life easier. That's the point. Yeah. Um, and you talk about like maybe speak a little bit to the difference between pushing and that way of living versus flow yeah that's a big one for me personally too after I think I'm sure lots of people can relate of just feeling like in life to get by you have to push yourself you have to go over your boundaries uh we're living at such a pace that um and it's expected of us that we're just always you know pushing I think it was only cycle awareness that enabled me to realize that I think it was just me on autopilot it's just pushing 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 um and then I had a burnout as well and so that's when I realized that I needed to explore life without pushing and when we tap into our cycle and notice how our energy is every day then it becomes excruciatingly clear of when we are going against our natural flow um and you know what is it like to uh, you know it's that sense that the cycle potentially in its potential that your menstrual cycle can give you the experience of being beautifully carried by this current of energy without needing to push mm. like, wow i want to experience that um <laughs> who doesn't um is it possible in this world i'm here to prove that it is <laughs> <laughs> and it's tough and we need each other that's why you know we need to have allies and friends who are on a similar journey that can you know that we can support each other to keep at it yeah yeah because it takes a lot of trust doesn't it when every sort of big so many structures around us are built without valuing flow and rest and all of these things yeah. um it is very radical and you know it does take a lot of trust for what I've certainly found in my journey of letting go of pushing and that has been my modus operandi for so many years mm -hmm. to just trust that I can just have Tuesday off because my body needs to rest yeah. and it's going to be okay <laughs> and yeah. to how do I create a business and a lifestyle that allows for that flow and I remember when somebody once said to me it's slow down to speed up mm -hmm. I was like what that was just you know um but actually by doing less so much more gets done in such rich beautiful ways yeah. very different more than the pushing more yeah but yeah having those allies around us to share notes and support each other and encourage each other is so crucial for sure yeah yeah hmm. thank you for sharing about that and and also you know you said about the, the female feeling less than mm -hmm. 
you know how that that uh, cycle that 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 sense will will feed into that pushing I'm mm-hmm. guessing would you say from your experience yeah totally yeah. definitely yeah mm. yeah and I think yeah there's there's a drive in many of us I don't know conscious unconscious so having to prove ourselves in in some way or you know this anything you can do I can do while bleeding (laughs) totally and tell me a little bit as well about so you know we've got such a so many uh, women experiencing so many different challenges and problems with their bleeding cycle from PMS to endometriosis endometriosis all these different um that are with the wounds so and our bleeding so i'd love you to just speak to that i'm guessing women will come to your courses experiencing some of this and does cyclical living how does that help them yeah so i'd like to just say straight off that um there are people who really specialize in different physiological conditions and i'm not one of them and i do still have people who join the course and the community who struggle also with you know debilitating period pain some with pmdd which is like really bad um, premenstrual stress to the point that it's debilitating um yeah polycystic ovaries things like that yeah and um i think that when it comes to physiological conditions like endometriosis and polycystic ovaries and um i think you know, connecting, sensitizing, being intimate with your body and learning about its cyclicality is definitely hugely supportive. And I have heard of people like um, having a lessening of symptoms, but because there's there's also other elements involved um, that need to be addressed, you know, cyclical living isn't the panacea to solve all world problems. (laughs) (laughs) No, it does feel like that to me sometimes. (laughs) um but yeah but I think you know all these conditions are you know well I mean our health in general isn't it it's just a big wake-up call to start coming into reverence with our bodies and the food that we put in them and the lifestyles that we lead and um yeah Mm, yeah thank you and um yeah because I see so many women who just bouncing around the system trying to find support in these areas and often are fobbed off by doctors and yeah and it can be years and years so I mean from my experience one thing I would say is never give up and sometimes it's just about finding the right group the right support the right information and that can take years unfortunately yeah and and also good to note that um you know we've normalized having really painful periods and it's not the way it should be So if you are listening to this and you do have really painful periods, then then do get checked out and try and find um, someone who can support you. Um, and, you know, maybe that's something that adjusting your lifestyle and, and diet can make a impact on because it does with lots of people. Or maybe it is something that might have a, another dimension to it, like endometriosis. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's not a small number of people who have that, is it? So. It's huge. And I love, you know, I love that, some, that saying, you know, just because it's normal doesn't mean it's okay. And we mm. have normalized it. So I think I've had so many experiences of people when they go to doctors, oh, that's just the way it is and take these yeah. tablets and all of this. Go on and... the contraceptive pill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and, and often it is finding, that's the other thing I notice. it's often finding a team of people to support you. So it might be mm-hmm. cycle awareness and naturopath and, you know, different mm-hmm. people that can help, but there's always, uh, you know, even if it's not redu- getting clear of something, it's there's an, often a lot that can be done to reduce symptoms and manage them differently so because yeah. I'm sure there's going to be many people who listen to this who that's a, a thing for yeah and I'd love to recommend my colleague uh, Lisa de Jong who mm. has endometriosis herself and has just recently had sort of cutting edge new kind of surgery um, and who's really a, you know a wonderful person with lots of resources and um, so people can look her up um What's her surname? Lisa de Jong. So D E J O N 
D-E-J. Uh, brilliant. I shall add that to the show notes as well. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you. And I would love for you to share how our cycle um, impacts our libido. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I, you know, I think where it gets really interesting is just when we realise that there's a link between the cycle and the libido and we start paying attention to how that shows up in our unique cycle and come out of this horrible pressure to just be interested in sex all the time, which I think maybe that also has to do with this feeling lesser than or feeling like we have to prove ourselves. It's like just wanting to, you know, um, especially if we are in a partnership for a long time, feeling pressured to want to have as much sex as our partner. I know that's a theme not for everyone, but for some people. But of course, if you want to look at like the archetypal cycle, um, you know, right before we ovulate, um, when our bodies are at their most receptive to being fertilized, it would make sense that you know, our libido is strongest then from an evolutionary perspective. I think what's lesser known is that right before we bleed, I think um, we have a release of testosterone and that's why a lot of women feel kind of frisky right before they bleed or just as they start bleeding, um, wow. which is lesser known. Um, but so, yeah I think maybe it's like less how the libido is influenced by our cycle but more how our who we are as a sexual being is influenced by the cycle and I find this really fascinating is that um you know, we joke sometimes when, when you're really into your cycle that, you know, we're like four different people, depending <laughs> on what time of the month it is. Or maybe many more. I think that's a really beautiful... I heard this, this quote, I can't remember who it was from, but it really touched my heart. And it was a man who was saying something like, every time he makes love with his partner it's like making love to a different woman mm. because she has so many facets to her so why why would you need you know multiple partners when you have one partner who is just tapped into all these different facets of her being and so yeah like when you connect with that who who are you as a sexual being as you enter the world again after having bled and you know your your womb is all like somehow fresh and and empty and uh you're essentially kind of discovering the world maybe the maiden archetype is is something you're connected to this younger innocent fresh-faced you compared to the wild autumn you who's just tapped into uh her rage and uh her lack of uh, inhibition and um Yeah, compared to the you that is ovulating and just oozing magnetism and radiance and luring in your lover. And, you know, I mean, there's just many different possibilities to play with our cycle and the kind of erotic archetypes that um, it can offer us gateways to. Yeah, I love that. Just bringing the awareness of the fact that it even is different is... is... Yeah going to be quite um a revelation for some people listening yeah. So, so yeah track it and come back to us and let us know what you yeah. discover <laughs> <laughs> and um one of the things I was curious about as well is you know you've been on such a journey around sexuality yourself and so 
what's changed for you in terms of of that in terms of where you've come from and where you are now Mm, oh gosh that is a juicy question Sarah (laughs) well I mean it's hard to say like what's my cycle awareness and what is just life and the lessons that I've learned but I will say that I am so much more discerning now about being intimate, being physically intimate with people. I think beforehand I was just up for an adventure a lot of the time. And if the chemistry was there, then I just, you know, let's go for it. And um, now I think I'm, I think, yeah, there's something around This, this desire to not only be a fully integrated human that's in touch with all the different parts of me, you know, all the different parts of my psyche, my desires, my boundaries, my heart, my womb, my mind, but also to be in connection with others that feels like it's an integrated. So the mind and the heart and the genitals are all, all there. And that makes me much more discerning about how quickly I will connect with someone or whether it feels like a good idea. Um, So I think that's the biggest change. Mm. Yeah, and I've actually been celibate for the past year. I think it's the longest I've ever been celibate for. And it's just been a beautiful, well, it hasn't only been beautiful, but, yeah there's been some richness around just learning to be good with me was it a conscious choice uh yes and no Mm -hmm. for a while it was yeah I'm kind of ready for something else (laughs) (laughs) and what did you just what have you discovered you say a richness of learning Oh, you know there's just a sense of like I'm stuck with me for the rest of my life so I might as well learn how to have a really good time with myself you know like how can I create a beautiful life for myself Mm. whether I have a partner or not how can I tend to my friendships so I feel loved Um, and there's the beautiful exchange of giving and receiving even if I don't have a partner um how can I do really romantic things for myself like whisk myself away for a weekend or cook a really nice meal or go out for dinner take myself to the spa so I'm not dependent on someone else to make me feel like a queen I get to do that for me Mm. um yeah and just you know there's I know what it is to desire someone listening deeply to me and you know making me feel really welcome but you know I want to be able to do that to myself as well and not just distract myself when I feel pain coming up or loneliness or something so learning how to be with with myself when I'm challenged yeah no beautiful I had a five-year period and and I like learned so much during that time and and part part of a choice because I was a single parent at the time so Mm. there was also so much energy to go around Mm. but it was also just like okay how can I be this for myself and then if somebody comes along that can add to that yeah and make it like one plus one equal a million brilliant yeah otherwise I'm just gonna enjoy it and it was the best yeah when when the when the partner is like the cherry on top because what's already there is good like that's that's a very desirable yeah but creating that space to discover that I did an interview with a woman called Kendra Kunov and she does this course called the um no man diet and it's no man diet but it's also no partner diet Mm -hmm. and so just taking that space um to just look at she calls it like the threads of compulsion that are there that Mm -hmm. you can't see when there's all that activity yeah so that you can just just really come home to yourself in that way so yeah mm. yeah and it makes you realize like looking around I feel like I see all these people whose creative life energy is just channeled into their relationships and their relationship drama a lot of the time and it 
feels like you know we have this evolutionary impulse behind us to just like mate and uh you know have connections and then it just feels kind of radical to be like nope I'm just saving that for me and you know my friends and my you know surroundings and yeah that brings us on beautifully to your game because um Mm -hmm. you've created this game called the game which Mm -hmm. is supporting uh about helping create connection and more meaningful connection Mm -hmm. so I'd love you to share a little bit about where that the birth of that game come from came from and a little bit about it yeah um so I mean there's two parts to it one is having worked as a facilitator for you know years and then not doing so much facilitation anymore and that having this wealth of like insight around yeah fun exercises to help people enjoy connecting and you know what can I do with all that insight oh I could put it into a game and then the other thing just being that I get frustrated because when you get a room full of people together it just feels like there's all this untapped potential and people often stay a little bit surface area or like not as deep not as playful not as creative not as inspired as it could be And, you know, lots of people go to workshops and festivals to get their dose of like, you know, intimacy. I think, especially now that, you know, people have been doing that for years, it's like, is there some kind of in-between where there's no facilitator, but we're not left completely to our own devices? So what if there was a game that helped you along a little bit, but anyone could use it? Um, So it's a really simple card game with different categories. So you can connect just through questions, but they're all questions that kind of target the heart, um, Mm. keep it juicy and not intellectualize it. But then there's also connecting through play and improvisation and through the body and then moments to pause as well. Otherwise it just gets too intense. So there's moments to pause. And um, yeah it's bringing joy all over the world it's such a lovely way to yeah beautiful and how can people get a copy yeah really simple there's the website which is the connectiongame.com which you can access through i imagine the notes on this podcast and um yeah and just to share a little bit about your course you offer a course called know your flow yeah thank you so um uh, it's a course that you sign up whenever you want and you it's really cool um there's you get a video that you choose once a week over 13 weeks and you choose the video depending on where you are in your cycle so you can watch something that's really relevant to what you might be experiencing that week and so it's basically you go through three cycles where you get this input for each week and also there's guided meditations and playlists and um uh yeah there's the collective as well which will next open its doors in september Um, and we we take on a handful of new people a few times a year so um, what's that the collective the collective is basically people who've done the course or who have a good foundation and cycle awareness and we meet regularly and um, we have co-working sessions as well so you can turn up do a cycle check-in and then spend the next two hours doing something that feels in integrity for your body I mean some people bring their emails to write and other people you know potter around and water their plants or meditate and check in with their bodies or whatever it's uh, really lovely um, yeah. so we're about 50 women from all over the world who have an interest in cycle awareness oh amazing so, yeah cool and you've got a, a discount for a journal you mentioned oh yes yeah. thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mentioned there's a free cycle chart on the website but if you want an upgrade then there's this beautiful journal um designed by Nora Ora and illustrated by Carolina Mandragora and it's basically thought bites every week so a text that gets you to think about something also related to where you are in your cycle so there's one text each week for six months and six months of cycle charts and journaling questions as well so it takes you on a journey through your cycle it's great for beginners but not only but yeah 
fantastic yeah. and where are people best to find you online i'll put your websites but in terms on the show notes but in terms of social media where are you most active yeah well i have a know your flow account on instagram and um you can follow me on facebook but there i write less about the cycle and more about life stuff but i do like to write um so those are the two main places yeah Mm, beautiful and as this is a sexy life podcast mm -hmm. what does living a sexy life mean to you is your final question oh what a gorgeous question living a sexy life to me means saying yes to myself so that I just feel turned on by life yeah mm, that's beautiful well thank you so much for sharing all of your experiences and your journey and your wisdom and um, yeah really appreciate it and um, yeah thank you so much thanks Sarah thank you for listening to the love sex and intimacy podcast with me Sarah Rose Bright I support women and couples across the globe to truly enjoy sex and pleasure and to create or deepen intimate relationships that are passionate and purposeful, happy and healthy, and I'd love to support you. You can book a complimentary call via my website at sararosebright.com to find out if my approach is right for you. And check out my website for information about my one-to-one -one coaching programs and any current workshops, group programs and retreats that I'm running wherever and whenever you are listening, wishing you a beautiful day.